0: DJ and PK, it's 975 and 1280 the zone. PK, you are a savant. Savant? Yeah, I checked a few lines last night on Talking Sports. We put up the Utah BYU line and checked some other lines so I can talk to you about them and have a, you know, have a few thoughts prepared and all that. And uh, in the last segment, you just said uh, you were driving back to St. George after the game, and your wife said, Well, of what I've seen, I I think uh, I think Utah's got to be the favorite going in the game. And you said, yeah, I think you're right. I think Vegas is going to have them about a touchdown favorite. The line opened, Utah by six. It moved to Utah by seven. And also, they set the over-under at 47. So if Vegas hits both these numbers on the, on the head, that means Utah 27, BYU 20. That's where this thing would be tracking, if Vegas is spot on.
1: It seems reasonable to me, obviously. That's why I That's- went with it. It's ballpark, right? You know what we were doing to make sure, because we're driving very late at night back to St. George, she bought a large pack, single pack of M&Ms, but to make sure we stayed awake, once we got to Mesquite or close to Mesquite, she gave me one M&M at a time.
0: (laughs) 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 So... Growing up in San Diego, I went to SeaWorld plenty of times and saw plenty of shows because I, my grandparents' generation all stayed in San Diego, so I had plenty of great aunts and uncles and grandparents. And let's t- and they all had the same idea, right? They I don't think they knew how often. We went to the zoo in SeaWorld when we were seven, eight years old. <laughs> and, and they always have the animal do a trick, and then they, they give them a snack. It's like if you drive another mile, PK, and stay awake, you can have another M M&M. and M. Yep. <laughs> they wear this little pouch on their belt, and I, 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 always think it must be gross. I mean, what have you got in there? Like, like cut up catfish or something. I mean, what, <laughs> what, what have you got? You got some, some carp or something. <laughs> and those seals would do whatever it took to get one more snack. Yeah, I'll put your. Awake. I'll put your stupid ball on my nose. Sure. Well, it worked, so you got that going for you.
1: We arrived at our destination safe and sound, if not fatigued.
0: So, we have already discussed at length about what a disaster the opening weekend was for the Pac-12 North specifically, and the Pac-12 generally. Because obviously, if everybody in your league wins, then when you play each other, you get a lot of credit. Now, there's just uh, not much room for error here. Washington was supposed to be all that. They're going to Michigan. Michigan... Won their in state money game and uh, they beat one of the directional Michigans. I think it was Western. Uh, Western Michigan. It was yeah. Western, yeah, and they beat them like a drum. And Washington got beat by Montana 13 to 7. So where do you want to establish the line, PK? What do you think? Between whom now? Washington at Michigan.
1: Washington at Michigan. Wow, man. I, I think I'd have to go, obviously, Michigan, but. I don't know what to make of the Huskies, man. I that was the number one disappointment in the country, as far as I'm concerned. Obviously, I'm Pac-12 oriented, uh, and there's just no doubt about that. Everybody knows that they were the
0: that... they were the best team to screw up a game like that. But there were several teams that screwed up games like that. And I want to give I want to give a special shout out to Vanderbilt losing at home by 20 in a money game, getting yourself blown out in a money game. Tip of the hat now you're Vanderbilt yeah, but so Vanderbilt I know there's no expectations for Vanderbilt, and Washington was ranked, so I totally get that, but it's one thing to lose one of those. it's another thing to get blown out. Come on, Vandy,
1: yeah, but that's like Kansas basketball. It's about Vanderbilt's baseball team. <laughs> they just you know they had two of the top ten guys taken in the draft this last year. Uh, so I think I'd have to go, right, I I don't know what to make of Washington yet, but my original thought would be just the low double digits with Michigan.
0: I was thinking Michigan by 14 or 17, because I don't think people really believe in Harbaugh, so it's not going to get crazy. Turns out it's Michigan by 10.
1: Yeah, 10 is what I'm talking about.
0: Oregon and Ohio State. Now, Oregon won, but still, people were shaking their heads because they had the lead. It looked. I mean, it wasn't going great, but they they had the lead, and you know Fresno can be decent. And then all of a sudden, Fresno goes just goes off. It takes a twenty four twenty one lead in the fourth quarter. I think it had been twenty one seven. It was seventeen I was unanswered. The game. I think. Yeah, I it's twenty four twenty one. Now Oregon comes back and wins, but now they have to go to Ohio State. So anybody who's saying I don't know about Ohio State, they didn't look great. They had to come from behind in the third quarter. Yeah, on the road against a conference opponent. Who's supposed to be pretty good again, as opposed to a Mountain West team at home? Okay, I get neither fan base got what they wanted week one, but Ohio State they look a lot closer to the mark than what Oregon gave us.
1: Ohio State looked extremely explosive. Yes, I mean I they scored three touchdowns on six
0: plays. (laughs) I know because they they trailed fine. There are Ohio State fans who are spoiled beyond belief. It's one reason you don't like them. It's not the only reason, but. They made big plays. And they were behind in the third quarter, I know. So what? It was a conference game. Minnesota was a decent program. It was a conference road game against a decent program,
2: right?
1: All right, where do you want to put the line? They're extremely explosive. I don't believe in Oregon. I haven't all – well, I don't want to say all season. It's only been a week. But since we first started turning our attention from the NBA toward college football, I believe Thompson, the freshman out of Phoenix, is going to end up being the quarterback at some point this season. So um, I think Ohio State's going to roll. I think they beat them by 15 or more, but I would go a little lower in the line.
0: The line opened at 11 and a half. It's gone to 14. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, I look at both of these and think, why hasn't the line gone higher? Why <laughs> Michigan and Ohio State by 20? I mean, is Oregon well, really going to stay the You want to entice
1: people into betting yeah, and you don't can. want to scare them away.
0: Other big games, uh, well, USC and Stanford conference opener in the Pac-12. USC, that was a decent performance against San Jose. So now San Jose's, you know, Mountain West Conference champ, coming off a seven and one season. Are they good again? USC beats them, handles them. Now gets a Stanford team that just got dominated by Kansas State, twenty-four to seven.
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, SC, people were getting on them because they, it took a little bit. Mm-hmm. They didn't they just did. come out and just click immediately. But they, they still won 30-7, wasn't that the I, final? Yeah, it was. It was 30-7. to yeah.
0: But uh, the passing game, which you're so used to it being awesome, uh, Keenan Slovis, 24-36 of for 256 yards. And because the game was close enough, they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. It was 13-7 going to the fourth. Uh, he played the whole game. It's not like he came out and you know they got they got the no. young guys reps. He played the whole game. Twenty four, yeah. thirty six, two fifty six. Those are decent numbers. I think those are the kind of numbers that you should be targeting. USC though, you expect them to be thrown for three fifty because you know they're well. You expect them to throw it way more than they run it, and they didn't. It was almost perfectly balanced. Thirty six passes, thirty four rushes.
1: Well, they got the uh, Ingram kid from Texas at running back, and they're very excited about him. And then they got the uh, the Polynesian kid yeah, who's back. Yeah, but,
0: but Drake Lennon got the carries. And I, I know they're all pumped up about Ingram. They gave him one carry. Now, that may not be how it plays out going forward,
1: um, yeah, I think you might want.
0: To I'm check on the that. wrong. Never mind. Ingram got 15 carries. Malpey got 14. Drake London. I'm telling you, my brain's not working. I've been telling Yach all morning. Drake London got 12 carries. Why in the world? How many reverses were they a running? I know. I know. I know. I've been telling Yach all morning, man. I woke up. I woke up at a start 30 minutes before I was supposed to be here, and I got here. But that was it. Was not a good way to start the day, and I haven't been right all day.
1: Well, I'm not only right, I'm damn near perfect. Yeah, baby!
0: <laughs> Your late night was Saturday, my late night was Sunday, I'm recovering. Happy Labor Day, people. But they did split the carries, Ingram and Malapai, 15 and 14.
1: Yeah, I understand that, but they're still they're excited about Ingram. I mean, I watched the game, I'm thinking, what are you talking about, one carry?
0: Yeah, I know, I just, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday to Monday. uh, Sunday to Monday is when Yacht gets all his good drops of me. That's how it's worked for years.
1: I watched uh, Oregon beat Fresno uh, from the uh, restaurant at Conestoga Golf Course in Mesquite. (laughs) 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 PK.
0: How you time this stuff out. Uh, Okay, so uh, what do you got for a line in this one? USC at home against Stanford.
1: Yeah, I'd go in the 12 to 13 category.
0: Open to 14 and a half, gone to 17.
1: That's a big jump.
0: Uh, decent chance for the uh, Pac-12 to get an up, although it, it sounds like a major mismatch. <laughs> LSU. Okay. UCLA got LSU. UCLA got the SEC. Now it's Colorado, Texas, A&M. Can Colorado get the SEC at home against A&M? Old Big 12 foes, no, and now they're both moved I don't on. Think so. yeah, ne- I think so. I think I predict
1: Colorado to <laughs> struggle this year. Uh, who they beat? They beat somebody, right? Who I can't remember. Who? Oh, Northern Colorado was that? Yeah, who it
0: was. Yeah, that was a money uh, game.
1: Yeah, right up the, up the road there. And that was a
0: Friday night game. That's why you're.
1: Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, I'm ex- I'm expecting Colorado to have a real difficult time this year. I could be wrong. I think I was right about UC Los Angeles. I said they're going to be way more competitive. I didn't know how it would translate into wins, but I felt that they were going to be way more competitive. And you got to give Chip Kelly uh, a lot of credit yep. there. This is his fourth season, so you're expected to do things, and they did some things. Uh, Thompson Robinson is not a pure passer, so he's, no. gonna have, he's not going to have big-time stats, but I don't care about uh, that. It's going to be I, fine ways to win. Yes, and, yes and on the if big— you win, no, If you win, it's all yes. There is no oh, no. you're
0: right about that. Absolutely. But what it reminded me of is like an Air Force quarterback stat line. Back in the Mountain West days, they don't throw it a lot, but when they throw it— They make big plays. He was 9 of 16. That's the high school quarterback at a school that doesn't throw it much. But it was 9 of 16 for 260 yards and three scores. Yeah, that's massive. Right, so you don't throw it often, but when you do, you make a big play. And uh, is it Dulcich? Is that how you pronounce his name? The, uh, Mm -hmm. The kid who went 75 yards to the tight end. That was an impressive run after that catch. That was nice. stop, let a guy fly by, restart, outrun a guy, cut back on a guy. that was that was
1: Well, he's very athletic and big he's time big right? and all that stuff. Yeah and they're expecting you know he's probably going to be playing on Sundays, as they say, but uh, w- what line are we going on? AM in Colorado? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'd probably go 17,
0: 18. 17 It is 17. So Colorado expected to get blown out at home by, uh, by A&M. The, uh, the non-league wins your doubles at home against UNLV after UNLV lost their money game in double overtime. Congrats, UNLV. Oh,
1: that's probably got to be, what, 25?
0: 30. It opened at 30, 30? and no money came in on Vegas. They had to move it to 32.5. And Vegas Whoa. hates to do that because where they get hammered now is if Arizona State wins by 31, then they just get crushed. They lose bets on both sides, and it's just awful. It's the it's one like way I, uh, this thing can blow up on the house.
1: The ESPN commentator, Mark Schlereth, the mm-hmm. offensive lineman, is that yeah. his name? Yep. Uh, he Homer predicts Bronco. that Yeah, yeah. Super Bowl and maybe Washington too, if I remember. They won some Super Bowls, and he predicts that uh, the Devils are going to completely implode on this. Uh, all the investigations. Now, stuff.
0: where did he go to college? Is there bias built in here? Where did we got anything?
1: I don't think so. No, I don't know where he went. Did he go to small school? I don't know. Could... I'll find out for you. Yeah. Uh, remains to be seen. I mean, they were embarrassing. 11 penalties in the first half. was, As I said earlier last Friday, I said it totally reminded me of the undisciplined Dennis Erickson regime where Burfick was committing a personal foul on every possession, it seemed, and they were so hesitant to take him out. I mean, they you got to get a handle on that. Or they're going to be a major disappointment, but uh, obviously Vegas has got all sorts of issues. I think Vegas is going to drift into a further obscurity.
0: Uh, I think uh, you're right. The thought that they needed a stadium and that's what they needed, yeah, but they got a stadium with an NFL team, so now they're getting overshadowed. As opposed to having a stadium that could be theirs and for all the Vegas events, yeah, that was many the dream. From but Vegas are from Vegas,
1: not very many, no, you know, relatively no. speaking.
0: Nope, it's a problem in a lot of Sun Belt markets, and uh, they're going to have to deal with it now. Mark Schlereth is an Idaho Vandal.
1: That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. It was a smaller school, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, chances for wins. Uh, Oregon State's got Hawaii at home, and Oregon State, despite the loss to Purdue, is actually expected to pick up a win there. So,
1: Well, uh, who do I beat? Hawaii just beat somebody, didn't they? Yeah, but Portland. it was... Portland State.
0: They, they trucked in a big Portland Sky State.
1: team, and they won. Yeah. Yeah, but they they're gaining momentum, man. They got explosive plays.
0: They had their best game of week 2 in the 2021 season. <laughs> they did, okay. yeah. Again, yeah. my brain's not working this morning. For a moment I thought you were making fun of me. And then I'm like, "No, no. he's making fun of the coach." Okay, I got that. I'm back with you. <laughs> Not processing info at the right rate this morning. All right, there's a lot of the college football lines for the uh, the big games, and we'll see the Pac-12's wrap is on the line with Oregon at Ohio State and Washington at Michigan. So we'll see how that plays out in the conference opener with Stanford and USC. But Utah by 7 over BYU right now. That's where that line, that's where that line sits right now going into this week. No line on Utah State. They're playing North Dakota. That's a uh, lower division team, so Vegas isn't going to provide lines on that, just like they didn't have a line on the Utah-Weber State game. I'm sure there's some offshore facility that will provide us something somewhere. but uh, Well, I see that's that what, the thing
1: with me. I stay onshore. When it comes to my yeah, gambling, me too. I, I am onshore. At a kid. <laughs> me too. <laughs>
0: Little land lovers. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Blake Anderson, Utah State head coach The Aggies go to Washington State, 17.5-point underdogs, down by 12 midway through the fourth quarter, touchdown, punt, touchdown. They need to win all three of those last possessions. They did it to get the victory. Blake Anderson joins us next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started.
3: This is Hans Solson and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. From the Action Network, Brett McMurphy, College Insider. Is it just a matter of when BYU will receive an invitation, not if they'll receive an invitation?
2: Yeah, it's a matter of not if, but when. Sources told me that BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF would receive an
1: official invite, and it could happen as soon as this month. And I thought all along when you and Texas went to the SEC, the best scenario for BYU was nothing else happened. Because if nothing else happened with the Big Ten, the Pac-12, ACC, that meant the Big 12 would survive with eight, they would have to reload, and sources that I talked to this past week said, without question, BYU is the clear-cut number one choice for the Big 12, so now it's just figuring out how quickly they can come on board. And by the way, this is
2: all sports, this is not football only.
3: Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Congratulations.
2: Well, I appreciate that. It was a fun night.
0: Your uh, sports information staff sends out an email with a list of superlatives and notes after the game, and they noted that this is the first road win ever over the Pac-12, and the first time an Aggie coach has won their first game since uh, 1973. It's been 48 years. And watching that game unfold, I'm curious where your guys got the belief, because midway through the fourth quarter, you needed a touchdown, and you didn't have one in the game. You needed to stop, either a punt or a turnover. They'd scored on all three possessions in the second half. And then you needed another touchdown, and that's exactly what happened. Touchdown, punt, touchdown. Where did they get the belief to pull that off in your first game? You got no history with them. The team won one game last year. How did that happen?
2: You know, it's exactly what I told them it was going to happen. It's the exact game plan we had put in place. Just... uh... You know, really, we, we we just believed we have to get it to the fourth quarter. We, we felt like that um, that if we could keep it close, that if we could just kind of stay within reach, if we get it to the fourth quarter, that our style of play and our conditioning was gonna was gonna take over. And um, as you watch the tape, that's exactly what happened. And our kids believed in that. We've worked extremely hard to to get to a point where we feel like we can run and outrun people for 60 minutes. It's been grueling to this point. They have uh, accepted it and worked extremely hard and bought in. And I told them before the game that it's going to be a close game at halftime. doesn't matter if we're 14 down. Don't panic. If we get to a point where we're within reach in the fourth quarter, we will outrun them to the ball. We will start moving people up front better than we were in the first half and we'll, uh, we'll get ourselves back in the game, and guys will be there when it matters. And if you watch the tape, they just continue to outplay them. They just continue to hustle. And, and we make some plays late that mattered enough to, to win the game. So uh, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun to see those guys do what we've asked, buy in the way they did, and play with the effort level that they did. That's, that is a great foundation for what we're trying to build.
1: So you do realize now that you won the first game. If you don't go ten and two, you underachieved, right?
2: <laughs> well, yes. You know that's the thing about this particular game. You know, however, me, I'm glad you did the math on how many years because I, I had no idea. I just knew it was a long time. Um, yeah, if you don't win the next one and if you don't you don't build on it, then then you just look back and say it was a fluke, and, it, and it's not. I many kids are working. Uh, we we did not play our best ball. We made a lot of mistakes, but we played hard, and, and the kids. Um, really, really tried to do things the way we're asking them to do it, and so you're right, man. If you, you got to go, keep winning. You got to build. Everyone becomes more important when you win a game like that, and, and that's what we want in the building. We want the kids to expect that. We want the we want the fans to expect that.
0: So I'm curious. You had uh, you know had some questions about different positions, including quarterback. Uh, did those all get squared away and just sort itself out there in the first game? Are you still uh, questioning some stuff going into the second game?
2: Well, we're still we're going to be detailed about it and, and really research it before we do anything. Obviously, both guys played well in their own in their own way. Uh, we did finish up with Bonner late, just and, and people have asked why. Just experience. I mean, the guy's been been in that kind of situation a bunch and, and, and come through, and he did uh, in flying colors. Uh, on Saturday night, but uh, not going to jump to any conclusions. I told them before we started this process that it wasn't going to be, you know, one play or a stat line. That it was going to be the the overall picture. But uh, I was pleased with both. They both made mistakes that could have hurt us. all on the ground with Peasley and, and, and a, a throw that uh, shouldn't have been put in the air from from Bonner. That that both created turnovers, and those are things we got to fight. We could have, you know, we could have really just put ourselves in a position where we had no chance. So, those are, we're, we're not a finished product by any means, but um, at that position, um, we definitely want to settle on one guy sooner rather than later, uh, but have not made that final decision as of yet.
1: I was interested to see what you did at the quarterback position when Bonner put that ball up for grabs towards the end of the first half, uh, saw how you would play it in the second half. In your mind, as you entered the game and then as the game began, as far as the quarterback rotation, was it a set thing, or were you going by feel to make the change as you saw fit during the game, or did you have it planned?
2: No, we, we told them we were going to alternate the series. We wanted them to be prepared and, and didn't want them guessing on who's going next or, or what. We, we felt like both had done enough work coming into the game to deserve that opportunity. Uh, didn't make the change until late, just based off how the game was going, and, and, and really just Leaning on Bonner's experience, I mean, he's had 20-something games under his belt and, and been in that situation just so many more times than, than Peasley has. So uh, that was really the decision there. But they knew all along we're going to alternate series regardless of the circumstance and and play you guys, so that just mentally they could be prepared for exactly what to what was coming.
0: The thing that seems like a no doubter is uh, Tompkins is the guy uh, on the next last drive. He had the reverse that got you first and goal, and then on the game winning drive, two catches for first downs, and then the touchdown. You knew where you wanted to go. They probably knew where you wanted to go, and you were able to go there anyway.
2: Yeah, I thought we did a good job spreading the ball around, but he, but he's just he's one of those guys in space that you always have to account for. Uh, you know, I think he had ten touches, but. But both McGriff and, and Derek Wright had eight, nine cut touches as well. Got the ball to the backs. So we've always put a premium on spreading the ball around. We don't want you to just be able to isolate on one guy. But you're, you're right. Certain guys just stand out. And his ability to play in space, his speed. I mean, the reverse looked good, but it it got ugly real quick, you know, just from pursuit. And he had the extra gear to get around the edge and make what could have been, you know, maybe a two, three yard gain into an explosive and got us down there to, to be able to score. Um, you know, he's he's dynamic really in every area. You just get him the ball It's really tough for the first guy to get him down. Just talking
1: to BYU coaches after they played Arizona, and obviously they were down last year and entered the game on a 12-game losing streak, and one of them told me, he said, the transfer portal has just been a game changer and to the point where Last year, depending on who you bring in and what positions you fortify through the transfer portal, that it doesn't even matter what you did last year. Uh, did, did you see that as far as what you're trying to build here quickly at Utah State? It's obviously, you had high-profile transfers come in and play, and play significant roles that they can make a difference immediately, so it doesn't matter what last year was.
2: Well, it definitely has made an impact, I mean, I, but if but you watch, there's a lot of guys that were on that team last year that played, you know, just played lights out. I mean, Nick Henninger had an unbelievable game from sideline to sideline, chasing the ball, and uh, that old line, I mean, there's there's a transfer up there, but that's a lot of guys that have been here before, Bannerman, Marcus Moore, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Uh, I, I'm pleased with how all the transfers came in and helped us, Calvin Tyler, and and you know Bonner and, and Justin Rice and guys, you know Bolden. There's a bunch of great transfers that came in and, and helped us in a big way. But but this is a great mixture. Uh, the just the way the previous uh, players have accepted us and, and and just gone out and set the bar for effort and attitude. It, it's been a great mixture, and we've utilized both, uh, building on the foundation of guys that have been here for a long time, but also bringing in some key guys that all are contributing in. in in different ways, some more than others, but, but we've been pleased with all the guys that we brought in at, at midterm and even in the summer.
0: Everybody wants to get a game-changer and you know the dominant player in the transfer portal, but the fact is those guys don't change teams often. They do sometimes, but not often. But I'm wondering how much the transfer portal is helping coaches plug holes where the other team can just pick at a weakness, pick at a weakness, and you can upgrade that. And the guy may not be a world-beater, but if he's better than the one you had – that can make everybody better because that's the one place that breakdowns keep happening.
2: Yeah, no, it, it is. It's been key. I I don't know. As you look at the end of the season, I don't know that uh, you know how many of these guys are going to be all conference type players or or have you know tremendously high stat lines. But you're you're right. A guy that can come in, even if he's a he's a two, he's a role player that plays you know a lot more than he would have played at a previous school. Just uh, a different depth chart, a different environment, maybe just a fresh start. Uh, some of these guys were young and immature, and 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 just didn't fit in. And and now they see things differently in a new culture. So we've got all kinds. We've got guys that are standing out there uh, that that are feature players that transferred, but we've also got some other guys in the in the program that are their roles are just a little bit different, but just as important because you're not going to just play with eleven. I mean, you're playing you're playing at least two deep, if not three deep on defense. Uh, almost the entire game to play the way we play. Uh, As I said, we're spreading the ball around to a bunch of different guys on offense and playing at a fast tempo, which means you typically have to play more guys. Uh, Whether you're the starter or you're the role player, all those guys are going to help us win. It's a long season. I mean, attrition happens. Guys do get hurt. Who knows who has to step into a key role.
1: As you progress through this quarterback competition, could you see a situation where if you go with Bonner – you still have Peasley having an active role because you look at him against Washington State, and obviously he—I mean—he wasn't bad throwing, but averaging ten yards a carry, almost eleven yards a carry on four carries from with him moving the ball through his legs. Could you see a role for him doing that?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. That would be super easy for us to do. You know, Bonner is, is not a great runner, but he's efficient. But Peasley just has. Uh, just has the ability to make guys miss and extend plays with his feet. It's what he does best. It's what intrigues you about him. But uh, whatever we end up deciding to do and and just where we solidify it, and as I said, we are going to play with one quarterback this year. We're not going to continue this for for very long. But I I could see uh, both of those guys, if they were not the primary starter, having some kind of role on the team. They're just too valuable, and, and their skill sets are too unique. So, We'll just kind of see how it progresses. Uh, I think we're close. We just want to make sure we are very thorough and very fair in the process so we we move forward all on the same page.
0: So the first win at at a Pac-12 school, that's a big deal. The guys have got to feel great about the way they execute in the fourth quarter to make that happen and come from behind. Now you get North Dakota. How do you make sure the guys aren't riding too high thinking, oh, we got this because – there's a long list of teams that got paid for money games that took the check and took the win last Saturday
2: uh, no doubt I mean that's it they were we were talking about immediately following the game. The guys were talking about it on the way back uh, well, we're sitting there during a media break and the the washington uh, Montana score comes up on the screen as you can imagine how the crowd reacted to that, uh, so you don 't have to go very far to uh, to just look and see, you've got to respect every opponent and you got to play your best. We made so many mistakes. We got a ton of things to fix anyway. I love that we're getting to play at home. Uh, I'm expecting a great crowd, especially after the win Saturday night. Hopefully that energizes the valley and, and the Aggie fans come out, but, uh, we're going to talk about it all week. I'm, I'm hoping and praying our guys respond and really just build on what we did and come out and play a much better football game and, and, uh, we, Absolutely understand what North Dakota is capable of. Watch them in the playoffs. They got a good, you know, they got a good uh, early win this weekend. But and they went deep last year, and, and they've got a lot of guys back. They got a really, really good running back. We're gonna have to tackle well and play great ball to uh, to earn a win. Uh, and, and and I think I think our guys have paid attention, and we'll we'll keep talking about it and, and pushing it all week. I think based on
1: what I knew of the Aggies. Following them last year, obviously, and we followed them for a number of years, is I felt like with Bonner coming in that you'd be able to throw the ball fairly well because I knew Tompkins is a good player and McGriff is good enough. So I thought you'd have success through the air. The thing that I was intrigued about, that I was unsure about, is your ability to run the ball. And I thought I you get? you gained like 220 yards I think something close to that on the ground to me and you can and you can comment on it and maybe I'm off base here but I thought the most impressive thing offensively was your ability to run the ball
2: well I know this and I preached you know we preach it every day and, and we preach it in the strength program that the ability to stop the run and run the ball is what, how win, how you win games all that we do with the spread system and slinging the ball around it's fun and I love it and, and, and you love getting the ball from sideline to sideline. And clearly, we we do spread the field as much as anybody. But if you cannot run the ball, you, you really do not have a, a great chance to win competitive, you know, one-possession uh, tough football games. And so we put a premium on it. You know, we're not real, real flashy in that area. But I thought we were very efficient and in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter when we needed it. You know, being able to run the ball on third and six and get a first down, being able to run the ball from the four-yard line and get it in without having to put the ball in the air, uh, being, you know, having, the, having the ability to push the pile for six, seven yards uh, late in the game. And, and that's really – that's exactly what we talked about. Runs that were two and three yards in the first half, we're going to turn into five and six, seven yards in the fourth quarter, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, but we, we have to be able to run the ball effectively. And it works really well. You mentioned Bonner being able to throw the ball. He did throw the ball well, and Peasley did it as well at times. It all works together. But if you're getting two yards a run, you know it's going to be a really, really long night with a lot of coverage that you're looking at. We're going to keep trying to get better in that area. I was really pleased at how we did against the big plot.
0: Well, I think that's why that fourth down conversion with about a minute to go just short of midfield was such a big deal because your two-minute offense, quote-unquote, I'm making air quotes now, you, you were picking up two, three yards of play. And I'm thinking, there's only a minute left. They were never getting down the field. And I was starting to think, they might actually do this. And you convert the fourth down, and then all of a sudden, it was 7, 10, 12 yards. After that, you didn't even have a third down. After that, you had them on their heels the rest of the way. It, in, in a weird, I know the winning touchdown is the biggest one. I know you had to make all the plays in the final seven minutes, but that one, that fourth down conversion, really stood out. It, it changed everything.
2: No, no doubt. I mean, it, you, you're gonna the clock's gonna be against you big time mm-hmm. if you don't make that. And it wasn't just a routine play. I mean, it it, it, it had to happen. The kids you know we've talked a lot about that going in I'm not sure what the philosophy has been here in the past just in terms of being aggressive on fourth down but we talked about being a calculated but aggressive team they've tried to prepare them a lot during fall camp even in some of the scrimmages we went for fourth down probably more than you typically would to try to just so they don't think of it as some crazy down it's just do the routine you know do the routine thing and and really that's what we did we just kind of ran a typical routine play and and guys made it. If you don't make it there though, clock in in the the game is really going to put you in a bind to have a chance to, uh, to, to finish that off. And and it, it was probably the biggest play. I agree. the fourth quarter.
1: So we know in Jonesboro, if you wanted to live it up, you went to the mall. What are you doing, Logan?
2: (laughs) Well, we got back at 4:30 in the morning as I went to bed, uh, to be honest with you. And, uh, Got up and ate, went and ate a little breakfast at Angie's and came in and, and went right to work on the game. So I, I don't know. I haven't figured out the what do you do when you want to <laughs> when you want to tie one on here in town yet. To be honest with you,
1: I'm glad you mentioned Angie's. We've actually done shows. Uh, previewing uh, the night before Utah State games or the morning before at Angie's. Yep. So, yeah, there you the go. The kitchen
0: sink at Angie's. You see bumper stickers <laughs> in Salt Lake City. It's all about the kitchen sink. Last thing, no for, last thing we'll let you go, uh, our boss here, uh, Aggie alum Scott Gerard. I'm just curious how he celebrated with you. Did he give you the pat on the back, the pat on the butt? Did he quietly sob tears of joy? What was it like with Scotty G.?
2: Knuckle bumps and a hug was about it,
0: man. It was a long, was a long night. <laughs> All right. He was pretty happy on the calls. You'll probably hear them at some point. All right, Coach, congratulations on the win. And just tell the guys, you know, not to get too high. This was awesome that they won the opening game for you, and it hasn't happened in a long time. But uh, Coach Romney, who the stadium is named for for a long time, uh, his first game to beat Idaho State 136 to nothing. So maybe that's the perfect game.
2: <laughs> hey, we'll do our best, man we're, we're just, we want to find a, find a way to get a win against these guys
0: there you go, alright, thanks coach, we'll talk to you next week thank you Blake Anderson, Utah State head coach trying to go to 2-0 and now with North Dakota coming to town they beat Idaho State 35-14 it's not 136 to nothing, but it's a pretty solid win that would have been fun to be in that stadium at Washington State and see that Washington score go up I bet they went nuts Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. The arch-rival arch going down to Montana. Bah! Of course, then they had their own problems in the fourth quarter. All right, DJ and PK, there's Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson from Utah State, the head coach. Utah offensive lineman Nick Ford was on at 7.30. Samson Nakua at 7 o'clock. If you're getting started late on Labor Day, you miss any of those, they're all up at 1280thezone.com. Blake will be there in a minute. And you can get them wherever you get, podcasts, Spotify, Whatever. They're all available. Yacht make sure they're out there for you if you miss them. DJ and PK, final word, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us.
3: It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy Ward coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. Ah! From Monday morning to the post-game press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Ah. The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Feedback of the day is brought to you by Oker Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Oker Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Oker Mountain Pharmacy. Barry talking about the BYU and says that wasn't pretty. But I'll take a win. And it's always fun to travel for the team, too. Traveling with your team, one of the underrated joys in sports. It's usually a blast. Of course, it always helps when they win. But it's uh, cool to see other stadiums, arenas, whatever,
1: I, I don't think. I don't think in this case, though, it's a true travel.
0: Well, it wasn't a true road game, but you still got to go somewhere on the road with them. It's well, fun. I
1: think that the, the interest level was because of the new stadium. Sure. I mean, if it would have been at Sam Boyd. <laughs>
0: it might not have been the same zip.
1: <laughs> no, no. And it was a brand-new stadium, right? Yep. Uh, first and we've heard it's there. got
0: bells and whistles, but they didn't have fans there. But you could watch Raider games and announce it like, this place is awesome. It's empty, but it's awesome. Yeah,
1: it, it, was, it was okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. I prefer to have my stuff outdoors. I mean, I think the Niner Stadium was better. I've been to that a few, a couple of times. I've uh, been to the Cardinals Stadium. I mean, it's certainly better than what the Chargers played in. You know that old stadium mm-hmm. there. Uh I mean, it was it was certainly good enough, and there's no doubt about it. It was it's nice. Uh, I, I appreciated being in there. They they set up the media to where the visiting media or not the I guess I don't know BYU was visiting, but the they didn't have the the media in the same area. The Tucson media was down the hall, so <laughs> we weren't in the same area. That's how big it is and so in the press box is open air too which is nice you didn't have the glass in front of you uh it, you could feel the crowd a lot better because it was open from that it was at the top so it was it was nice plenty good enough uh you know and let people in early enough particularly down there with it being indoors because it was you know, blazing hot i walked by the security to get in you know and they check your computer bag and all that stuff And you could tell the gal was just burning up i said well, don't worry. November will be here soon enough. She said, yeah, I'd much rather live in a place where I can be colder than warmer. I said, well, you're living in the wrong place.
0: <laughs> Jack says "BYU's not near as good as last year. I see them as barely making it to a bowl game. Why did the administration of BYU ban cereal? Because when they see a bowl, they choke. You'd fans.
1: I mean, that that's a, uh, a line that he early. wanted to use. But it, it, he was all building up to yeah. yeah, it was like uh, what's his face Kelly on the execution of his team. He set himself up last night in the on the field interview, and it didn't work. The old John McKay line: mm-hmm. "What do you think of your team's execution?" And he responded off the cuff: "I'm in favor of it." And so Kelly tried to set himself up, and it bombed. Yeah, it didn't work. Wasn't funny. Uh, so, but I give him credit for trying. Uh, and uh, that that bowl there, the cereal, I mean that line there, he tried to set himself up, and it didn't work.
0: Dow says, "Bill, you better play better at Utah and make it 11 in a row. Immediately got corrected to be 10 in a row, but people were with the gist of what he was saying. But everybody's got to play better game one to game two. If you don't get better over the course of the season, you get beat.
1: This is going to sound stupid, but I think Utah – has to play less better, and BYU has to play more better. Yeah, and The Cougars okay. want to win.
0: We got the rest of the week to break that down. <laughs> I see where you're going though. <laughs> and finally, L. Buzzard. I'm doing yard work this morning. I thought I'd give this morning show a new chance. All caps. <laughs> still terrible! Exclamation point. See you tomorrow at 6 a.m., okay? Oh,
1: <laughs> we'll try yeah. to do better tomorrow. Yeah, see, I can handle that. Just don't attack my journalism credibility and telling me that I'm plagiarizing a text that the sports information director sent all of us. You can call me a bum and all that stuff, but don't encroach yeah, upon my And there were multiple
0: media members who put the same tweet out there, and it was clear well, that was BYU's statement. You're reporting. Right. <laughs> it was obvious. All right, and it was a good statement. That's the one everybody wanted, right? That was uh, horrifying, having him stop the game for 17 minutes to tend to him. That was not good. So that was good news. All right, we're out of time. We're going to hear more next. I'm sure Hans wants to talk about his BYU Cougars. I know Scotty G wants to talk about his Utah State Aggies. More college football next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.